Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Freedom Talks. This is your host, Brady, and today we are joined by Tara Shapiro, and she is the founder of Tara's Lactation Care. She is a registered nurse and international board-certified lactation consultant. Uh, Tara, how are you doing today? I'm good. Thanks for having me on. Perfect. And we're also joined by Nina Olson. She's a physical therapist and women's health expert for Freedom Physical <clears throat> Therapy Services. Nina, how are you? I'm doing great. Thank you. Perfect. And uh, today, obviously, we're going to talk a little bit about lactation care. So Tara, if you could give us a little bit of an introduction to yourself, a little bit of background, and then um, maybe give us a little insight as to how you, how and why you founded uh, Tara's Lactation Care. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so um, my background, my real, really my passion, my background has always been in women's health. Um, I spent the first 14 years of my career as a labor and delivery nurse. Um, I worked in three different hospitals in different parts of the country and, um, you know, just really fell in love with taking care of um, families at that really, you know, exciting and vulnerable part of their lives. Um, and, you know, breastfeeding and lactation care has always been, it's a huge part of that. It was always important for me to even, you know, in the very short time that I had with my families to make sure that, you know, that, that they got the best start possible bringing babies to breast, um, and really had all the support that, that I could give them during that time. Um, when I transitioned out of, um, being a labor and delivery nurse, um, I, I really still wanted to continue caring for, um, for women and families and babies. <laughs> so, um, this, this, since this was always a passion of mine, I, um, uh, got my certification as an international board certified lactation consultant, um, and started Tara's Lactation Care. Um, with my private practice, Tara's Lactation Care, or TLC, I um, do home visits and virtual visits, um, you know, prenatal visits and home visits once baby's born um, to help families who, you know, either just want extra support or are having um, struggles with um, feeding, with breastfeeding. So when you, you transitioned out of um, being the labor and, de labor and delivery nurse, um, when did you realize that, hey, this is really a need after, you know, the hospital for pregnant women and, and new babies and like know that I can start this private practice because I don't feel like this need is being filled by uh, the care that's currently provided? Right. Yeah. Um, I think that I understood that need when I had my own three children, especially when I had my first child. Um, you know, I felt like, okay, I've been in this labor and delivery world surrounded by obstetricians and pediatricians and nurses, you know, for my whole career, like this should be fine. I should be able to figure this out. No problem. And I was really floored by how much I didn't know and how much the, um, you're not, I mean, the people around me knew, knew a lot to support moms in certain situations, but how much even the other moms around me that did the same job that I did um, had to learn. We all had a lot to learn. You know, we could help moms that first, 
with that first latch, but there's so much and so many questions um, that go along with with learning how to be a new parent and and feeding is a huge part of that and can really be one of the most stressful parts of that. So um, I that's when I really understood the need for continued at home support and that no matter that if you know no matter who you are and what your background is, you still have a million questions and there's still <clears throat> there's still so much to learn. And you know when I when I went to get my certification for lactation, um, that's when I really understood how much information there was out there to give great support to families that need it. Well, that's wonderful. And so I think this is a nice point to kind of transition into um, a little bit of a discussion about uh, maybe how and why uh, mothers are coming to see you. Um, and then, um, you know, we can kind of find out a little bit also um, where the crossover is a little bit between, you know, Nina and um, how she's kind of finding people that are, you know, could use your services and things like that. Um, so what are the most common reasons you are asked to help a breastfeeding mother? And uh, how many sessions do you typically see a mom or baby for? Right. So I'd say the two most common um, reasons I'm um, asked to help a lactating parent are um, number one, pain, nipple pain. Um, and number two, um, concerns that the baby's not getting enough milk or not gaining enough weight. Um, okay. When it comes to um, pain, you know, it's, you know, people are, we're using our bodies, our, our part of our bodies, our nipples in a way that have never been used before. So, you know, I, um, it's, you know, there is some tenderness that's normal. Like if you're going to the gym, you haven't been to the gym in a long time, you're going to have some soreness and tenderness. Um, but real pain and trauma to the nipples is, is really something that we want to work on. Um, and really it's amazing how just changes in position and working on getting a great latch can make a difference with that. Um, and then when it comes to assessing if baby's getting enough milk, um, and gaining enough weight, we watch weight trends, trends over time. And, um, I do, um, I can do like a weighted feed during a visit where I can weigh baby before uh, they eat and then weigh baby after to see how much baby's gotten during that feeding. And that can just be a helpful number to keep in mind when trying to, um, plan, um, feedings moving forward. Um, and, and if there needs to be supplementing and, and all that kind of thing. I had this situation with my own child and um, that weighted feed, you know, measuring right then and there, it was yeah. just so helpful in reducing um, the anxiety as a mom, you know, as right. my, you don't, you're not able to see how much milk they're getting. Right. And when you have somebody come into your home and weigh them right after a feed, it's like, Oh, okay. They actually were eating something. It's working. Yeah. <laughs> and it calmed your fears immediately. And, um, that, that was so valuable to have. Yeah. Um, I remember yeah. when I had my, my newborn. Right. Yeah, no, it is really helpful because we're, we're used to focusing on numbers, you know, how much and, and it, when it's, when it's invisible, you know, the transfer is invisible, then we, um, you know, we really want to know. The other right. thing is, you know, we can't do a weighted feed every 
visit, you know, every day, every feeding, you know, so, um, so that's a good number to keep in mind, but we also learn, you know, I try and teach skills to understand what's, what are baby's cues? What are baby's hunger cues? How can you tell when a baby's, um, just fed and, and is, is satisfied that kind of thing. Um, the times I see, how many times I see a, a family, it can be sometimes one visit if there's something they really just need to work on and understand. And sometimes five or more, um, there are different times, um, in, in this journey that can be helpful to get support prenatally, sometimes even like a virtual visit in the hospital, some at-home visits, and sometimes that return to work can also be a really important time to check in. Usually getting involved from the pediatrician at that point, if somebody has questions about their weight or pain, or um, how, how do you usually get referred to somebody? Right. So, um, yeah, when it has to do with weight, a lot of times those that um, that referral comes from the pediatrician because they're really watching weight carefully, especially over those first few weeks. Um, so so a lot of times it's around that two week visit when we hope for a return to birth weight around that two week visit. So that's when we um, that's kind of a touch point sometimes. And then um, otherwise it's, you know, it's word of mouth, just um, moms talking to moms mm-hmm. that bring people to me. Right. So Nina, you obviously um, kind of set this up and have the relationship with Tara. So could you kind of give us a little background on how you guys met and then um, maybe what are some reasons you most often will maybe refer from yourself or is that if that's common for you to refer um, to Tara, um, or vice versa, any of that kind of stuff? Right. Yeah. So, um, in my world of pelvic health, um, I have the luxury of usually seeing moms during pregnancy or right after they deliver and, um, you know, focusing on the mom's health. But in that time, um, you know, a lot of times the moms will confide in me, um, some challenges they're having as a new mom or some issues they're having with feeding. And that is, um, it's really nice to have resources on hand for patients to make that referral that, well, this person can come to your home and see how you're nursing in your natural environment. Um, also, um, we uh, there was a recent research article published um, in um, the Journal of Women's Health um, through the APTA, which is the American Physical Therapy Association, um, in which they looked at um, how physical therapy can help support nursing moms um, in the, the um, context that sometimes with new nursing moms, um, they um, have a, bl- a blocked or a plugged um, breast duck. And um, this can be um, really, really painful and something that we can help with in physical therapy at that time, um, hopefully before it moves into a larger infection. So, um, and, you know, if somebody is referred in for a plugged duct, um, that's something that we can get them in fairly quickly for, but Um, to treat the symptom, but a lot of times we need to then make a referral that they see an IBCLC lactation consultant um, to help get to the root of the the problem. 
So um, having somebody like Tara on our side is awesome. And um, having some, you know, just some really great resources for new moms is, is so helpful because there are so many factors, not just the mom's health, but baby's health and the breastfeeding relationship and um, sometimes emotional support. Um, just so having resources on hand is huge. And so what it, what exactly is the process for treating the symptoms of the clogged ducts? So um, the process for that is um, we are, if somebody were to call and they have a, a plug duct, and that's extremely painful, and Tara can probably tell us more about, you know, what that really is um, as far as the anatomy goes. Um, but um, if somebody were to call in, we, we really work to get that patient in within 24 hours and um, with one of our women's health specialists. So we have three at our Fox Point location, one in our Brookfield location, and um, one in our um, Grafton location. And that session then would be a combination of um, a hot compress on the affected area, um, ultrasound, which is a deep heat treatment with um, an ultrasonic head that can deliver deep heat um, very specifically to that blocked duct. Some manual techniques to help move the um, blockage through. And then at the end, we like the mom to either bring their baby with so they can nurse or a pump with so they can express the milk after um, to help clear that blockage. And um, typically it's just one or two sessions um, and, and it alleviates the blockage. Um, in, in this article, they looked at 30 women and um, for most of the women, um, pain went down significantly for these women. And for all of the women, the treatment that I just described that we offer at Freedom prevented them from going from a blocked duct to mastitis, which is an infection um, requiring antibiotics. And it's very uncomfortable. It's like having the flu um, as far as your symptoms goes, fever, chills, you know, um, fatigue, all of that. So that was that was pretty significant to prevent it from going from a blockage to infection. So um, so yeah, we we follow that protocol that was really um, done and researched and supported in the research, and um, and we are we're able to offer that with all of our pelvic and women's health specialists um, in a pretty timely basis for these moms. So Tara, could you fill us a little bit? in a little bit more about the anatomy and what's actually going on. And then also maybe like how, how often these occur um, kind of in your experience. Yeah. Um, so a uh, clog duct or plug duct, um, it's really, I mean, I have to, to compare it to other things we think about the milk duct is like, um, it's like the, if you're thinking of it like a tree, it's like the root, you know, that carries the milk um, to the nipple to the baby. Um, or if you, or if you're thinking like plumbing, it's the pipe, right? So, um, so we all know, you know, if you've got a, a clog in our drain, <laughs> right, in our shower or whatever it is, you know, you've got to, you've got to get that plug out. You've got to loosen it up. So, um, 
So it's um, like Nina said, it's a, a tender, sometimes small lump in the breast. Um, it's usually related to the blockage of a milk duct, like we talked about. Um, and it can, it can be warm to the touch um, and it can have some visible redness. It's it, usually in one area of the breast, it's usually on one side at a time. Um, you could certainly have one on both sides, but um, separate from each other. Um, if a plug is close to the skin, um, close to if a plug duct that's on the pore um, can end up looking kind of like a white head um, on the nipple. Um, and those are, those are, they look white and they're often called a bleb. Um, so it's again, just a, just a blockage of milk. So the goal is to, um, to release the blockage so that milk can flow. Um, we don't want to have milk stasis. We don't want milk sitting in the ducts. We, milk needs to continually flow and move, um, to keep the system healthy. So, um, you know, it's really exciting and wonderful that, um, ultrasound is available. Um, and it's something, you know, it's, it's great to have that if, especially if, you know, we try at home methods to, um, try and relieve them. And it's really the same idea just, um, without, without the machine, it's, it's adding, you know, heat. So we, so we talk about adding warm, moist heat, um, before feeding. So before emptying, so, um, or before pumping, so getting in the tub, in the shower, um, and um, you know, relieving any. Um, sometimes these can be caused by just restrictions on the breast, from like a tight-fitting bra or a purse strap or something like that, um, just make, causing a blockage. Um, so yeah, we um, use warm, moist heat and breast massage um, to try and relieve a, a plug duct. Um, and then really to try and continue to feed often on baby's hunger cues and um, using different positions, sometimes vibration, um, even like a Spider-Man toothbrush, like a kid's vibrating toothbrush over the area can help. Um, but, it, but if these things aren't helpful, you know, within 24, 48 hours, it's really helpful to have another method um, like ultrasound to, to use so that, like Nina said, it doesn't... Um, advanced to mastitis. Um, so then, you know, we talked about the treatments and so you, and you talked about getting treatment within 24 hours. So, or after 24 hours, if it's not relieved. Yeah. Over day and, yeah and, um, so what, I mean, what should moms look for if they're like they're, they might be worried about having a clogged duct. Duct. What are some symptoms that they should be looking for? So, um, so the if we're talking about watching out for mastitis. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yes. So whenever I talk to a parent about a, pl a, a plug duct, you know, I make sure that they're looking for those red flags, looking for. Um, symptoms of mastitis. So fever, flu-like symptoms, um, chills, nausea, um, pain or swelling at the site. Um, mastitis would can often be really have redness on the breast, tenderness, and it can feel like a wedge-shaped area. Um, and then increased, um, even mom's pulse might be increased. 
Um, and in that situation, you know, it's, if, if those things start coming up, you know, a lot of times a mom might think, oh, well, breastfeeding causes, I want to stop breastfeeding. It's still important to um, actually breastfeeding, continuing to feed through it um, is very helpful in, in um, helping it go away, helping heal. So we say heat, rest, and empty the breast when it comes to mastitis. And then, you know, and then that's the, that's the situation where we want to be talking to the patient's provider if it doesn't go away quickly or if symptoms worsen. Um, what are some reasons that these clogged ducts pop up? You know, what are you seeing as um, most common problems uh, that would cause these things? Yeah, so, um, so it can be, you know, the real cause of clogged ducts is not known, but, but, they, but um, they can be associated with um, different causes, different reasons. So um, a lot of it is, um, number one, they'll say incomplete breast drainage caused by a skipped feeding. Um, a lot of times parents, you know, I think in the hospital or just we hear or we think about, oh, you feed your baby every two to three hours. You feed your baby every two to three hours. And we kind of watch the clock when we're talking, looking at, thinking about feeding our babies. Um, we really want to watch our babies for cues. So sometimes in those early, especially in those earlier days, babies really eat a lot. It could be every hour, you know, it could be finish a feeding and then eat in 45 minutes. You know, they are not scheduled in their feedings just like we're not scheduled in our feedings. And the body, the, the mom needs the baby to empty the breast and the baby needs the milk, needs the food. So um, really just paying attention to, moms just paying attention to their bodies and babies and, and their baby's cues help that milk continue to move. And then sometimes a poor latch will lead to incomplete breast drainage um, and cause um, plug ducts. Um, some, Again, that restriction on the breast caused by a tight-fitting bra or um, by straps in a purse or a backpack can cause um, plug ducts, um, sometimes poor nutrition. And then it isn't uncommon for um, moms that overproduce milk, that have a very large supply to have, to have it be more common for them to have plug ducts or for them to have more frequent plug ducts. Mm. Do you know why some women are overproducers? Um, there are some women, there are different factors that lead to overproducing. Some, sometimes it's, you know, oh, I, I didn't produce enough for my first baby. So I'm going to pump a whole bunch, you know, the, the, for my second baby or any baby after, you know, and then it, breastfeeding is a supply demand system. So you can kind of give yourself an oversupply. Mm -hmm. Um, really in the beginning, we want baby to set um, your supply. Baby knows how much, babies know how much they need. And, and if we follow their cues, instead of adding extra demand by pumping, um, then we can sometimes avoid that oversupply. Um, but then sometimes that's just, that's just how um, people are made, that some people just make more milk. Mm -hmm. um, and there are um, things that we can try to help regulate that. Um, sometimes it's scheduling and sometimes it is necessary to talk to a, a provider about um, medications that can help with that. 
To take down the supply. Yes, to take down the supply. Mm. Okay. Interesting. So you you mentioned uh, two things that I kind of wanted to follow up on, uh, one being bras and the other being latching. Is latching one of the most common questions you get from moms or, or yeah. common issue you see moms for? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the latch goes along with really everything that we're talking about. Number one, a, um, a shallow latch is um, instead of a very deep latch, um, puts the nipple in the, in the front of the baby's mouth and can, um, and can, that's what where a lot of that pain comes from. Um, a, and a deep latch brings the nipple way back to the back of baby's mouth where, um, where they're able to, um, it's much more comfortable for mom, number one, and also it helps with milk transfer. So if the nipple is is way back in the baby's mouth, the baby can create a great suction to get the milk that to transfer milk and to eat. So um, really, the you know number one thing is we always work on getting a great deep, comfortable latch. You know, moms will say, "Oh well, you know, I'll deal. I'll just deal with the pain. You know, I'll just deal with the pain so that baby can get milk." You know, and it's like, okay, that's not it's benefiting the baby too. If you know that you're comfortable, then the baby's getting what they need too. So it's mutually beneficial to have a great deep latch. And that helps, you know, we work on positioning for that and just technique. I'm, I'm sure, you know, Nina's working directly, you know, about with the mom's health, but is that a conversation you have to have a lot of the times with moms? Like you have to take care of yourself as well. Otherwise it's, it's not going to help either one of you. Exactly. Yeah. It's huge. I'm sure you see that too, Nina. Yeah. All the time. And it's easier said than done, isn't it? It is. Yeah. No, no, Nina, go ahead. I was just want to go back to that latch um, issue. So, you know, I was kind of thinking about that and, you know, I'm sure there's reasons that the baby may have issues with their latch based on their own mouth. Um, But could it also be that if, the mom has a, is a big producer with a real strong letdown. Maybe the baby doesn't want to latch that deeply. Is that something that you see too? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, so with a strong production or just with the normal breast changes over time, getting a good latch just with um, either mom's just natural nipple shape or the, the engorgement that's common on days three or four can be hard for a baby to latch onto an engorged breast. So, mm-hmm. um, we work, um, we learn, I teach methods, um, a method called, or something called reverse pressure softening, where we, um, we work to push that, that fullness, that swelling or engorgement back into the breast tissue. So that baby has an easier time latching onto, um, latching onto the nipple. Um, mm-hmm. and then, um, as far as an over, as far as a strong letdown, um, one of the greatest things, um, that we can do is, is use gravity on our side to try and slow that letdown. Um, I think that many of the positions we teach for breastfeeding and many of the positions we traditionally see, um, have mom really leaning over baby um, which you guys as physical therapists, I'm sure see, um, 
discomfort in people's neck and shoulders, you know, from that position. Mm -hmm. And so really there's, I really try and use laid back breastfeeding or biological nursing on, on my side. Um, So mom is really laying back and baby's on their stomach on mom. Um, So that's a more natural position for baby, a more comfortable position for mom and can use gravity on our side to slow that, um, to slow the flow for baby so they can handle it better. Oh, that's great. I bet that's super helpful. It's amazing. It's, um, it's just seeing how much more comfortable everybody is in that position. Mm-hmm. You know, I say like, you know, a, a position on a baby's back is like a stress position for them. You think about, if you think about a dog on their back, they're kind of flaily, you know, yeah. and newborn mammals are the same. You know, we're newborn, we're just newborn mammals, mammals when we're born. So newborn babies are, are the same. You know, we do stress going on their back to sleep. But when it comes to feeding, it's mm-hmm. amazing what a newborn baby can do when they're on their tummy. When you see tummy time, you know, mm-hmm. so they can, if a baby is right after birth placed on mom's stomach, you know, they really can make their way to the breast. This is a natural biological process. I'm not saying we're not going to help them, but mm-hmm. um, if we put them in a great position, um, it's cool to see what they can do. They're built to find the, find the breast. Right. And are there things you're assessing inside the baby's mouth to see if maybe the, the mouth is the problem? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, that can be another factor. And I, um, when I do an in-person visit, I do an oral assessment um, and I'm looking for restrictions like um, tongue and lip ties, um, which are more common than, than people might think um, and can... Um, can often be um, lead to some many of these issues. Um, and then if I have concerns about that, um, I send a, a families to somebody that can diagnose whether there is or is not a lip or tongue tie. And um, you know, my role in that situation is to guide families as they navigate the different um, decisions and the different um, practitioners that are helpful in working on them. Could you kind of run us through what that initial evaluation is like for a mom or family? Um, Yeah. When you're talking about the oral anatomy assessment. Yeah. Just like when someone comes to you for the first time, what is the kind of the process that you go through or is it, they come to you with a specific problem kind of thing? Or both? Um, so no matter what they, you know, no matter what they come to me about, um, it's so many of these things are interconnected. So I really do full assessment of um, mom's anatomy and baby's anatomy um, to really understand, to look at the whole, the whole picture. So um, when I first see a family for an in-person visit, um, you know, as we talked about, I do a weighted feed. So we like to talk to mom about their story where and dad, where their, their story, where they're at, what this, what this week, this month, whatever it is, has been like for them, um, understand what they're trying to work on. And, you know, and we get baby on the scale and I do an oral assessment. And that means that I'm looking at into baby's mouth really from behind their head. So, um, and then, you know, I look, I can I pull up their lip and I look under their tongue um, and see what, what um, kind of what I see. Um, and then, you know, I really, from there, 
I really like to see how they feed. You know, some babies, the when we're talking about tongue ties, we're talking about the um, frenulum underneath the tongue, and everybody has some. It's, that's the attachment under the part of the attachment under the tongue, and and people have different degrees of tightness or different degrees of restriction or non or or not any restriction at all. But it's really um, when I'm looking at this, I I'm really looking at how does the baby doing sometimes it can look like oh there's definitely a restriction here but mom and baby are doing just fine with their latch so it's about overall picture was overall picture what symptoms are they seeing at home that might have something to do with um with this restriction and how is it affecting their latch how is it affecting how much how much milk they transfer so then you know then we can we talk about you know, the overall picture once, once we've um, gone through a whole feeding and worked on positions and latch. I think that was a great explanation. That, that sounds very thorough. Um, so we had a, uh, her name was Jody Curl Heinrich and she has a company called uh, Joya Bras and it's in, in Shorewood and she was, uh, she did no wires and make sure the bra fits correctly. And you had mentioned that, um, you know, it could help prevent clogged milk, milk ducts if you're kind of avoiding those restrictions. Um, so do you give those kind of recommendations? Um, and if the, if you do, can you kind of walk us through what those recommendations are? Yeah, I'm smiling. Cause I'm so glad you brought that up. I actually listened to that episode oh. and was so excited to hear about Jody and um, her company. Um, and yeah, that was, that was really, um, exciting for me because like I said, this, that, that restriction can lead to plug ducts and, um, overall issues with breast health. So, um, so I connected with Jody. I'm going to meet with her. Oh, nice. <laughs> and, um, it's, it's great to know of this product, um, as an option, you know, in the absence of that product or before I knew about it, I would say, you know, just, you know, watch for tight underwire and, you know, there are things in bras and, and diaper bags and purse straps that are very restrictive. So, um, you know, women don't, we don't think about that very much. Mm -hmm. Um, but just, just having, you know, looser, something that's not, that's not too tight, which luckily, um, when, when women are breastfeeding and after they have babies, sometimes their bra preferences change anyway. Um, you're going to sometimes a nursing bra or something like that. And sometimes that underwire is just not comfortable anyway. It's like our bodies tell us, you know, don't do this for now. Um, so, um, so luckily that's not always an issue, at least right away postpartum, but it's something to keep in mind. And does the, you know, Diane and Jody and that podcast talked a lot about the lymphatic system is that yeah. something I mean both Nina and you are looking at as you know a, a, an issue or is it just kind of something you have to be aware of more so um I'd say yeah I'd say it's something to be it's something to be aware of you know the that um all this is connected and um yeah it's important to have it's important to have good flow and good drainage overall for overall breast health. 
if if a mom is just um, home on maternity leave and it's the first you know few weeks after baby or after having baby, do you recommend that they just go without a bra? Is that more beneficial or um, wear just a, a tank top or what do you suggest? Yeah, mm-hmm. some do, some do. You know, I think in that situation, it really depends on what's comfortable. I think a lot of times um, just wearing a tank top or not having any, you know, any amount of rubbing on the nipples can be really uncomfortable for moms. So um, I'd say some want to wear nothing at all and that's great, you know, and some, and, you know, some sometimes having just that coverage that doesn't move, whether it's a tank top or a nursing bra or something um, or something that can hold in, you know, breast pads, if, if that kind of, if leaking is an issue, that kind of thing can be helpful. So we use those things to our advantage. Um, you know, when I'm talking to moms about pumping eventually, I like moms to be able to have their hands free while they pump so that they can use breast massage with pumping, um, to help find any of those harder spots and massage them during that time. So, you know, different bras, I think can be helpful for different purposes. What, um, kind of moving away from the bras, but, um, do you have a suggestion for, do you have a favorite type of pump or, you know, thinking of the mom who's staying home versus the mom who's, you know, maybe thinking about pumping on the way to work. Do you have suggestions? Yeah, I think, you know, I don't have a one size fits all necessarily Mm -hmm. pump recommendation. Um, Pumps, their pump technology has really grown and changed a lot, even in the last few years. It's really amazing. So it depends what your goal is. Um, I can say that if there's a, a family who has a child in the in the NICU whose baby didn't come home with them and they're trying to establish a supply, um, then in that situation, it is important to use a hospital-grade pump, one that you can rent from a hospital. Um, that, that That's absolutely the recommendation in that situation. And then, you know, it's... Um, yeah, different brands can be different, can be helpful in different situations. Um, I like, I recommend double pumping. So pumping both breasts at one time, um, when, when somebody's going to pump and having a pump with a strong motor. So, um, it's many times, many, very often people can get their pumps covered by insurance. So, um, I recommend having something with a really strong motor at home. I know at one I see a lot right now um, is the um, Spectra S2. That's a that's I'd say the most common one I see, and I like it. Um, and then um, then there are moms who are commuting back and forth to work or have to pump in the car. And there's a lot of great technology where these pumps are so tiny and portable now, and really have great um, motors and great. Um, suction um so it kind of depends on your life you know what are you gonna what do you need it for what's the situation with your baby but it's exciting that there is a lot better technology out there for um for moms that have to be places right (laughs) and you know I hear of you know sometimes sisters sharing a pump you know one has a baby and they're through with it and they pass it to their sister is there a shelf life on how long these motors last or um is that 
a good idea to share a pump? I know there's closed loops and open loops and right. like that. Right. Um, so that's a good question. Um, when it comes to sharing pumps, I, I'd say the first thing I would do is to um, check with your insurance because really, um, you know, the after the Affordable Care Act, it was... Um, it, it became part of insurance that insurance companies should provide a pump. So the first thing I would do is to um, call an insurance company and look at what's provided by, by your provider. But um, it, yeah, I think that um, access be getting <laughs> the best pump that you can for your situation is the best you can do. Right, I bet. Um, you know, something I was thinking about, um, I know, as a first time breastfeeding mom, that was just so challenging. And uh, the best recommendation that, um, well, not the best, but the only recommendation I had when I was a new breastfeeding mom was to buy this book and read all about it. And I personally did not get much from that. Um, No, I really didn't. You know, I Uh found it overwhelming and it was hard to, you know, understand as um, somebody who was only you know, pregnant, I haven't even held the newborn in my hands to really visualize how this would all go down. And um, do you meet with moms before they have their baby? Is that something that you do? Do you see a a benefit in that? I do. And yes, I do see a benefit. Mm -hmm. And I think it's, it's interesting what you said that Mm -hmm. it is, it can be overwhelming, you know, to know all of the information or to try and learn all of this information when you can't conceptualize what you really need. And then when you know what you really need, when you have your baby, you're too busy to start reading a big book, you know? Right. So that is a hard way to learn. Um, when I meet with a mom prenatal, uh, pre- prenatally, um, you know, we really talk about what can you do to get the, um, give yourself the best chance possible. You know, the, one of the biggest things um, is if baby's healthy enough to go right on your skin right after delivery, as much in, uninterrupted skin to skin time as possible, is is so helpful um, for the long term breastfeeding relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know we talk about the we really talk about the simple things that 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 you should that you can do, that you can, should look for, you know, where we talk about on-demand breastfeeding. Um, and we talk about, you know, we just talk about really simple latch methods, really simple about position. I don't think that it's always beneficial to learn, memorize five different breastfeeding positions, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I do love is is encouraging, you know, moms to have babies on them in a relaxed laid back position and, you know, and follow baby's cues. So, um, and then also to teach moms what to look for and, you know, what's normal, what's not, what, what we might want to look at closer and when to call for help. Mm -hmm. And do you help moms, um, set up breastfeeding stations or areas around their house, um, you know, so they have a couple places to, to breastfeed. Yeah. Um, a lot of times when I come into a house, you know, they've had baby home for a few days and, and I say, where, what's your spot? 
you know, people usually have a spot, you know, and usually at their spot, I like them to have, you know, I like them to have water nearby, a good breastfeeding session will make you really thirsty, you know, and have your pillows available. I know there are lots of pillows out there on the market that are, you know, people feel like they're supposed to use. Um, mm-hmm. Really, I, I love to find a spot, whether it's a chair that can recline, or if we're like in a room that there's a couch that has a nice corner that you can lay back on or a, you know I say I say let let's just let you be comfy first adjust your body I want you laying on this bed like you're a queen you know mm-hmm. feet up like the tv is on you know whatever is that <laughs> position for you that's where I want mm-hmm. you to be you know that's your comfy relaxing spot um that's where I want you to breastfeed um and then to be able to replicate that you know in whether it's a different chair in your house or even if you're feeding baby in the middle of the night to bring baby into your bed to replicate that with pillows in your bed. So I like it to be, you know, I like my families to be able to use whatever they have around to work to their benefit. Right. Wonderful. Uh, Is there anything that we uh, missed in terms of our conversation or information that you'd like moms to know about? Or a success story, maybe, (laughs) you know, thinking about, you know, somebody you've met with and, and how you help them. That'd be really great to hear. Yeah. You know, um, I, I I can say that, um, you know, really one of the, the, really the greatest thing about my job right now is that is seeing something, seeing moms that are in pain try something different, try a different latch, and then be like, oh my God, this doesn't hurt anymore. You know, like, oh my gosh, I, you know, because it's daunting, you know, you right. want to feed your baby, you want to breastfeed for however, whatever your goal amount of time is. And that, you know, the recommendations are for as long as possible. Mm-hmm. But when you're really in pain in that situation, it's really daunting to think that that will be like that the whole time. So just being able to show somebody that it doesn't have to be like that. I'm not saying there's not a little discomfort, but just to show someone a way that it can work in their life, you know, um, that that is really, that's the most rewarding thing. And, and the other thing I would say is, you know, just um, it's, breastfeeding it's not just the mom and the baby it takes so much support from so many people around it's the um the partner in the house or the family extended family or the mother of the parent all those you know so just really um taking that support to be taken care of by all the people around you I think is is so incredibly helpful and you know it's really it's really amazing to be able to be a part of that team in any way for me. Well, and it, um, you know, just your demeanor and your calming voice. I mean, I'm sure you are just a godsend for these new moms who have pain and anxiety about this. It's, it's such a hard job for new moms and to have somebody like you come in and help calm their fears and give them some suggestions and tips, I'm sure is so helpful. Thank you. Yeah, it's, it's great. It's a lot. I'm lucky to get to do it. I, th- I think that's a message too. We, we echo, you know, with our patients too. It's like, it, it doesn't have to be like that. There are people that you can seek out and, and find help. So 
That's re- that's really great. So if you could kind of finish with giving us all the contact information someone would need to find you, uh, if you have a location, if you have a, a phone number, or uh, if, you, if you put anything out over social media or, or what your website is. Right. So um, as far as location, you know, I, I work from home, you know, so I am where, where my um, clients are, which is all over Milwaukee. I'll I'll drive all over the Milwaukee area to meet people or if virtual is easier than, than right at home for, for me or them. Um, so um, that's location. And then um, my website is the best place to find um, out all about me and my practice and any questions somebody might have. Um, and that's where people can schedule. Um, the other thing that is helpful to know when seeking out lactation care is some, you know, is that sometimes we can get visits covered by insurance. So that's a big question. And there's, and I explain all the information about that on my website. My website is um, www.terraslactationcare.com. Um, and my name is Tara, T-E-R-A. So T-E-R-A-S, terraslactationcare.com. Um, and then you can find me on Facebook at Tara's Lactation Care. Um, email or phone number um, is all my information is there and on my website or uh, my email is Tara at Tara's Lactation Care.com. Wonderful. Thank yeah. you both for uh, giving your time and Thank helping you. to educate a little bit. And um, yeah, I hope you guys have a wonderful day. This podcast is brought to you by Freedom Physical Therapy Services, an independent provider of comprehensive physical and occupational services. No matter how challenging your issues, if other treatments have failed, we are determined to help you heal starting with the very first visit. Four convenient locations in the Milwaukee area. More information at freedompt.com.